Welcome to another episode of the Voices from the Northeast podcast. James, play the theme tune. Welcome everybody to the Voices from the Northeast podcast. Morning, podcasters. You know, I was born in North Seaton Colliery. When I, when I were a lad, I should have remembered that because my mother used to work for them. I'm champion for me, absolutely fine. And who doesn't make the selection box for breakfast? That was Christmas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She went flying over Maypole into Bustelic. Welcome back, everybody. In this week's episode, we're going to be talking about, well, recycling, repurposing. What would you call it, love? Reducing waste. Yeah, yeah. This all came out of a conversation I had with my mum a few days ago where she more or less said... Um, we just used to do recycling back in the 60s and 70s. We didn't call it recycling. It's just the sustainable way that we lived. So it was quite funny the way that um, I think she felt she was being preached to by a new generation of people. Um, so we've got two interviews that I'm going to play for you first. So who's those two interviews? Uh, we've got your mum and dad, also known as Judith and George. <laughs> Uh, and then Jacqueline, who was a regular contributor to the podcast. Yep. And they're going to talk about uh, the 1950s, the 60s and the 70s. So I think a lot of listeners will um, relate to what they're going to be talking about. And just the way that you used to, like my mum says, recycle without really thinking about or calling it recycling back then. So we'll play those two interviews and then we'll come back before we introduce the th- no, I was going to say third, but the fourth oh. voice on the show tonight, which is a new voice on the podcast. So here's Mum and Dad and Jacqueline. Enjoy. When we were Ben's, this was in the 60s, I think we started to lose it. Late 70s, 80s, we became much more throwaway society. Um I mean, we always had milk bottles, which, I mean, we're lucky we yeah, still got a milk, milk bottle. Yeah. So we had milk bottles and, the you know, the milkman came around with a horse and cart. <laughs> I mean, I know nowadays you've got electric milk carts, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there, was, yeah. there was always somebody in the lane ran out and if the horse, you know, left a load... Oh, would yeah, pick true. it up and that would go on so, the roses. Exactly. So that was recycling as well because that, that would just go in the gardens. That's yeah? right. Fantastic. Then you had the pop man that used to come round. Yeah. Or you would get pop from the shop and you always so, so when took you... your bottles back. How much exactly. you used to get thrums? You used to get thrums back from taking your glass bottles back. So if you think about the amount of glass bottles we had were milk bottles, pop bottles... They'd all got recycled then, all got reused unless they were broken or chipped. But then again, they would have probably been sent for reworking um compared so to the amount of plastic yeah. bottles that end up in supermarkets shops for milk and uh pop and all that sort of stuff it's you know it's now going to go full circle i'm sure again you know we'll That's be right. using that a lot more but it was great as kids because people used to give you that pop oh, bottle they did, say, yeah, if you did. take that back to the shop you'll get the thruppings off it that's you know? right so you got a bag of sweets exactly. definitely yeah but same with newspapers. I mean, I know not many people have newspapers now because it's all online. But the newspaper, newspapers used to be recycled because they lit your fires in the morning. Lit your fires, aye. You know. Or uses a blazer, which we've talked about before. Uh, yeah, blazer yeah. for the fire. But then would, well, if you had quite a few, sometimes 
the chip shop would say, has anybody got newspapers? Can you bring them along? And you wrap your fish and chips at the outer bit anyway in newspaper. (coughs) But of course, obviously, you know, health and safety and, you know, all that sort of stuff changes. So you you don't know the source of the newspaper and all that sort of stuff. That's right. That stopped a long time ago. Yeah. I think that was was a good thing, actually. It was. And also it was used in allotments. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they the, the would soak them and put them in their compost bins and things like yeah, that, didn't they? Do they? That, they yeah. would be torn up. Torn up, all torn compost bins, I. Yeah. And also, I mean, clothes, you know, I know my mother knit and my mum sewed. Not everybody did, like, but clothes were made to last. We didn't, this throwaway fashion's quite yeah. really worrying in a way because, you know, and new clothes every season for a lot of people or just for a night out. People would just buy something and then never wear it again. Sometimes uh, sometimes we've come, I used to pull wool out from jumpers oh, that were yeah. too small from. We'd pull the wool out from them and re- reuse them. Who can remember starting? Probably girls more than boys, though maybe boys <laughs> did get it, where you had to sit for about half an hour, your hands apart, and the wool that had been pulled out, strung across your hand by your mother, right, yeah. rolled it up rolled into the a ball. ball. Up into, yeah. <laughs> oh, I can remember that. I can that remember night. being yeah. sat like that. Are you finished yet, ma'am? Is it going to go? <laughs> yeah. My mum, yeah, people would go to jumble sales <clears throat> and buy wool jumpers to pull out yeah. and re-knit, you know, certainly. I mean, I remember, well, this would be even in the 70s, a pair of tights. If I got a ladder in a pair of tights... Because they, they weren't run-resistant like they are now. An old pair of tights pulling a fine piece of thread out of it and almost darning, the invisible darning so you couldn't see. Yeah. Where, you, you know, you sort of, you've stitched it up. And I was taught how to do that. Yeah. But, I mean, socks were darned, jumpers were darned. In fact, some, some jumpers that some of the admin had, there was more darning them, I think, yeah. than there was jumper. By the time they've, they've finished them. And I know we've talked about allotments before and the amount of kind of work <laughs> guys would like. Anything that was in skips that was useful for allotments <coughs> like window frames and doors and all sorts were... So instead of them going to landfill, they got used and re-appro- reappropriated, is that the right word, in an allotment. I mean, oh, the remember we in our first allotment, we actually shored up the fence with about with all doors, about, about twenty five doors that were managed to get through skips and just like fasten them all to the fence, yeah. and, and so that made like a nice wind barrier to the, the garden. <laughs> an eclectic mix of doors, all the wooden what? doors, of course. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes, we did all that. I mean, they were the original, <clears throat> I think, because nothing went to wasted allotments. I mean, it was unbelievable the, what yeah. the greenhouses were built of. Um, yeah. God, blimey, health and safety would have a field in. And the other thing now, I know paraffin's less used now, but some people still do use it. And you you tend to buy it in plastic, again, plastic bottles once again. But when I was a kid at at the colliery, the the guy used to come around with the paraffin, the paraffin man, pink paraffin man used to come around and he had a a tank of paraffin on a wagon and he had a tap on the back and he used to come along and uh, you, you prepared, you had your own container which invariably was like a metal can. Yeah, it was just reused. And just yeah, refi- yeah, refilled know, it every yeah, time you needed it. And he used to come round once a month, I think, or once That's a fortnight right. and refill it. That's you right. Know? And yeah. I also, another thing for newspapers as well, my mother used to clean the windows for newspaper. News, scrunched yeah. up newspaper, vinegar and water. Yeah. Used to get the best shine on, definitely. Yeah. 
Same with meals. I mean, meals, there wasn't the waste there is now. No. Um, you, you know, your fruit and veg, you could mostly get from local shops. So you bought what you needed. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. you literally, if you only wanted two rashes of bacon, you got two <laughs> rashes of and bacon. And if you don't eat that for your tea, you'll get it for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I was always threatened with that. Thank God they never carried that through. But yeah, but no food was wasted. No. You know, it was kept, it was fry up the next day. Or I can remember if there was potatoes left, my man would be adding corned beef into the potatoes. So, make corned beef patties and things so, so like that. So the truth of the matter is, everything just keeps going full circle. Because it is, because we've got probably to. probably happened for you many years, yeah. years, you know. We've got um, to. The, you know, the planet kind of keep going the way it's going, basically. And I think our parents were even better than we were at using things, you know, like, and not well, wasting stuff. So Can you remember when your grandmother died, who lived with, through the First and the Second World War, your grandma had every paper bag at stored that oh, you could think of we had yeah. well had suitcases with paper, paper bags, bags brown paper string every <laughs> single thing yeah, was that, kept that might come in useful sometime yes I'm, I'm sure that's where i've inherited it from i think it is yeah our <laughs> garage is a bit like you that. just call me a hoarder but it's a, i'm gonna reappropriate <laughs> <laughs> I can remember in the late 1950s, early 60s, where there was no plastic bags. Everything was in a white paper bag. Or when you went to the co-op for your, the sugar for your mum, the assistant put the sugar into sort of very thick, dark blue paper bags. But the assistant folded the paper over so neatly and carefully, none of the sugar ever spilt out. Greaseproof paper was used to wrap butter and cheese and cooked meat from the grocer's shop. Even bacon and sausage from the butcher's was in a special kind of white thick paper or greaseproof paper. Then of course when you used all the food you just put the greaseproof paper on the fire. Uncut bread was sold at the baker's. And that was wrapped in white tissue paper. And there again, once you'd ate the bread, you just put the tissue paper in the fire. You burned nearly everything. Even leftover food, and there wasn't a great deal of leftover food to recycle. Because of lots of people who had allotments kept pigs. So you gave them to somebody who maybe had pigs, chickens, hens. Um... And just people use leftovers. Um, clothes, recycling clothes, well, that was dead easy because it just got handed down from one member of the family to the next. And when the clothes got really, really past it, they were sent to the ragman where you got either a balloon or some pigs by your mum. Glass bottles or the milkman. When the milkman came to put your bottle of milk down, you had your empties all rinsed, ready for the milkman to take away back to the, the co-op or wherever to be specially disinfected and washed and reused. And when you went to like the green grocer shop, you had your own special little shopping basket or your shopping bag. And I remember sometimes they would just put, well, they would drop a turn maybe in some newspaper and carrots that still had soil and stalks and leaves on. 
uh, the grocer would drop them in newspaper or sometimes you just shove them in your basket along with apples and oranges so easy i think the bin men only came round sort of about once a week and nearly everything in your bin was just ashes from the coal fire well that was really interesting what um what bits jumped out at you from that then well i think it was just quite interesting that it came across as just a totally normal way of life um you know you think about how the food was packaged and then what people did with the packaging it it just seemed to be common sense i guess that perhaps has been lost along the way and i don't know if that's to do with new materials or mass production of things i'm not too sure but it it just seems odd that simple routines would just disappear yeah it's like i think ma'am touched on it first but the 80s came along and consumerism was smacked into everybody's face with a baseball bat and plastic well i mean just went plastic crazy you think about i guess it's the late 70s maybe that like tupperware parties yeah you know what i mean <laughs> like i guess it's that it's that that late 70s into then the boom in the 80s but just plastics go crazy everywhere um there were some really nice bits there that I think listeners will probably remember and relate to, like um, taking the, the bottles back to the shop and getting a bit of money for them. Um, I must point out Dad's link there to using your newspapers as your bleezer to get the fire going. <laughs> um, so there is a whole episode about words like bleezer, if you want to go back to that. I'll put a link to that uh, somewhere attached to this episode for people. Well, before to- we move away from your Dad... You know what he said about if you don't eat that for your tea, you'll get it for your supper. This is a genuine thing oh, that yeah. George yeah. says on almost a weekly basis. It is like basically that. whenever we share a meal together, you know. Well, if you don't finish that, that's for breakfast. I know. And to me, I just think, well, I did all right as a student, yeah. so it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Have your leftovers in the morning. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that's entirely alien to a lot of people. <laughs> Um, it's like when you say you can eat pizza first thing in the morning. Cold pizza. I'm like, no way. I can't do that. It's reducing waste. Oh, it's not happening. <laughs> not happening. Um, but there were some other things in there, like taking your own newspaper at the fish and chip shop to wrap the the fish and chips in. Like, oh, I miss that though. I miss the print on chips. On your fingers more than on the chips. Yeah. But yeah, but that's sustainability without having to give it a name. Like nowadays, everything has to be given a a marketing name and like branded as you're saving the planet if you just do this like i saw a thing today um when the kids at school showed me and it was a video um for a company that was making an electronic composter so it was like a plastic machine that sits in your kitchen and you put your food waste into it and the video was showing like half a carrot going in and like um someone's only eaten half a banana and they're putting it and i'm looking at it and thinking what like make something with that food for starters but secondly actually this product was a total con because all it was really doing was drying out the food and it had like a blender blade inside Mm. of it so it was and i wouldn't even like to imagine how much energy it was using to super dry the food out for you overnight or actually i think it said within an hour it makes compostable material so sorry it was a plug-in yeah it's like a plug-in device and it's saying you can reduce your carbon footprint and i'm thinking yeah, but you're probably you're probably not reducing your carbon <laughs> footprint by having a gadget that makes compost. 
just take the stuff out in the back garden and have a compost bin yeah. like my dad's got. Oh, man. It's, I think it's that kind of thing that offends mum and dad, which is why this episode exists, is because they were like, it's so silly that you've you've monetized and you've turned recycling and effectively just sustainability into a product. Do you think it's a new generation, though? No, I think because... it is. I think it's our generation. Well, yeah, our yeah. generation. They're I mean, doing it. you could argue that the old ways kind of died out with new generations coming in but it's coming back there are people who are i guess with the whole climate crisis are starting to really consider yeah their own impact and their actions what they can actually do yeah and i mean both jacqueline and and mom and dad picked up on things like darning your own clothes and mending clothes and making things to use in 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 the home and I guess that leads us into the the next interview really nicely because when I suggested we did this episode, um, you had a suggestion. Do you want to introduce what your suggestion was and then we'll go into that clip? Yeah, well, not to confuse people, but (laughs) I did recommend that we got in touch with another Justine um, who is local to the area and she runs fantastic projects within the community. Um, You know, there's the family connection there, which is how we know her in the first place. But actually she's got... I guess on Facebook, it's it's the use of social media. Her name crops up a lot in various groups and it's groups all about um, reducing waste, being creative about how you can repurpose things, give things a new lease of life. Um, and it, it's just fantastic to speak to her and learn about all the different people in the community that she's actually getting involved in these projects. Yeah, well, this is what I'm, we're going to play it in a second. And it's a lovely interview. It was a very long interview. It was about an hour and a half. And I've condensed it into about 25 so interesting, minutes. Though. It's a very creative editing. Um, it, it is really interesting because there's a lot about of what Justine talks about in this interview where I kind of almost, I almost felt guilty that I live in this town and didn't know half of the stuff she talks mm-hmm. about. So we'll play this interview for you now. Um, this is Justine Fox, uh, was Cossa, um, and we'll let her talk to you about, uh, well, the environment and sustainability and what's happening in Ashen. I lived with me mum and my grandma growing up. Obviously, she lived through the war years and, like, every single thing had a value. And, you know, I can remember, like, grandma undoing school cardigans and then knitting them up in the next size and, you know what I mean? Just yeah, sort of, yeah. And, you know, now you would just chuck them away. I can remember being in the Pegswood Jubilee Jazz Band and saying, oh, I need it's fancy dress. And she'd be like, at, like, the Christmas party, and I would say on the Saturday morning, oh, by the way, it's fancy dress. And she would go, you need a fancy dress for tonight. I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> and she'd just go up into the wardrobe upstairs with all the, like, long dresses that my mum had worn, like, in the early 70s and was never going to get back into them, <laughs> um, but kept them. I'm just guilty here with that as well. But, um, and she would, I just remember us saying, right, she pulled this, like, blue and white long evening dress kind of thing out. And because uh, she said, what do you want to go as? And I said, I don't know. And she said, right, Snow White. I don't know if she said Snow White or I did. Anyway, the old singer came out and she just wrapped up this Snow White costume and off I went. And it was just that <laughs> resourcefulness and just being so creative. Um, I don't know where the, the desire to do environmental stuff came as much. I, I think from just being little, I would see things on 
to the news about Greenpeace and I just always was, I don't know, there was just something really inside that, like a burning thing. I can remember saying, I'm going to go and work on the Rainbow Warrior and go to the Arctic. Mm-hmm. I haven't quite managed that, but I guess this is close second. <laughs> I lived in Tenerife for a little while and with it being an island I used to go diving and we'd do um we'd do like beach cleanup dives and the mm. amount of bags of plastic bottles. I mean this is I was sort of 27, 28, so what's that 34, 34 years ago-ish. Um and the amount of like bags full of plastic bottles and straws and things we were like pulling in from you know the area surrounding where we were diving and and i think because it was a relatively small island we saw the amount of destruction caused by pollution so when i came back here um i worked in gateshead did a lot of stuff with the kids getting them to be a little you know just a bit more thoughtful about um how much waste we produced and things like that and then just struck us how much in like 15 years how much consumerism had gone up to like not just the next level but beyond and just how that like desire to consume and consume and consume um and everything was throwawayable and i became i don't know i suppose more and more disillusioned with people (laughs) and (laughs) um and then you know sort of moved back to washington so i guess that made us think about just being a little bit more resourceful and it started to make us think about being resourceful in terms of saving money but also being resourceful in terms of I I didn't want to waste things so the stuff that I do at Full Circle obviously Full Circle is um it's about caring for the environment it's about like people learning how to grow food look after the the land and how to cook from scratch so that you're saving money eating healthily that kind of thing so full circles in this is in um hearse park isn't it is that it is yeah Yeah. it's not people often think it's the pavilion but it's not it's a huge uh, but not huge it's like a a separate part they'd actually just opened just before lockdown they were opening and then obviously yeah, this Everything is delayed. It's behind the um, what used to be the warden's house, isn't yeah. it? It is, yeah. Just, I, I was there just a couple of weeks ago because I saw all of the the, the, the plant beds and um, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the greenhouse bit that's set up, and I had no idea it even existed. Yeah, but it was fantastic what was in there. It is, and I think you know it's. It took them a little while because of the timing of going into lockdown, and then they kept trying to set things up and then we go back into lockdown and then you know yeah. what I mean? um so you know they've got the food larder oh the food um, right, yeah, yeah. yeah it's really interesting actually because you've got a lot of people who are from this area but you've got a lot of the asylum seekers are using the food right. larder um and i mean that, that is something i love about full circle it's become a real support for for the asylum seeker community in ashington yeah. and it's interesting because when they come they'll always bring their bags to reuse right <laughs> when they come they'll always be the ones that take the loose veg they're you know more used to, to cooking from scratch and they are 
more used to living a more sustainable life because the countries where they've come from, they just we just they just don't have the resources and yeah. the money that we have here. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so I mean the the kitchens they do, um, they do like various cooking courses. So I think they were originally doing sort of cooking on a budget. They do a lot of specific things like cooking for diabetes because obviously oh, right. type two diabetes is a huge huge issue in this area um and they do a lot of um children's cooking classes which are really well attended i think they're always full and it's lovely because kids will come along um who wouldn't ordinarily eat vegetables and some of the kids <laughs> oh, that, right. some of the kids that were at the at my ego club they've been doing the, the cooking on the monday night and as they come out of the conservatory where we do eco club there's um the food banks just out like in the little foyer bit mm. and there was a load of peppers and things and onions and one of the kids is like justine justine grab some peppers can i get some onions it's fine and the moms were like oh my god they made um rice with onions and peppers last week and literally every day for tea <laughs> that's all they want to eat so it's really kind of going back to those like basics of teaching children to cook from scratch so that the next generation has those skills. Um, and it's, you know, it's it's about um, being able to afford to eat a good diet, cooking from scratch. But out of that also comes, you know, the need for buying less processed food, which automatically comes with less packaging you know you know I was kind of keen to do stuff about recycling reusing and just doing more creative stuff with the children but also tapping into the resources there so we've got our own raised beds where we've planted some things and we're busy developing the wildflower meadow but along with that the kids I mean the kids love doing that kind of things but they love doing the creative stuff the Crafty Lunch Club, it, it's less about the crafts, really, and more about providing community opportunities for, for people to get together. Um, and through that, you know, you, you sort of like do that drip feed effect of um, giving people ideas and things of things to do with the stuff that they just usually throw out. Yeah. And for the people who are on social media, you obviously set up um, a fantastic Facebook group as a way of uh I guess creating that ethos within the community of reducing waste and that creativity. So, would you like to tell us about the Facebook group? Yes. Yeah, so it's it's lengthy title, the Reduce Waste <laughs> and Rep Creative Northumberland ish. I think is what it's it called. Is. <laughs> it is. And um, I'd originally set it up a few years ago, and then in lockdown, I kind of rejigged it because it really wasn't being used for its original sort of purpose. Um, and it, it really took off. And I think, you know, because of lockdown, people weren't, um, yes. weren't working and things like that. So they were looking for and looking for that sense of community more as well. So it yeah. kind of, it, you know, as, as always happens with these things, it it ticks a lot of other boxes, not just the reducing waste thing. It's really exciting when, I mean, if somebody says, oh, I've got this, um, you know, immaculate condition pair of curtains, you know that they're going to get reused. But it's when people have like something quite obscure that you mm. think that's going to end up on the tip. Um, when they get when those things get reused, that's when I get really excited because it's kind of 
you know the the whole point is is about getting creative and yeah well so... justine spotted some weird things on there what was the one you <laughs> see a fantastic one a couple of days ago I, I did take a screenshot bit of a strange one but could anyone use a selection of hat pins and a foot yes. no idea what kind of foot so just as a bit of context i think it turned out in the comment thread that someone recognized it as a brooch um i think uh-huh. someone mentioned um an edwardian brooch uh-huh. Um, yeah, but I just I just saw a foot. Uh, yeah, it looks like a chicken. It looks like someone's chopped <laughs> chicken's a chicken's leg. foot off or something, isn't it? <laughs> but the interest in that was yeah. bizarre. And I, and I think someone had said it. It had been homemade by somebody yes. at some point, yes. and um, she had inherited it or something. <laughs> but I, I mean, I mean that's the thing. You know, it's like looking back. I mean, I remember, you know, my grandma always had loads of fabrics, and you know when when they were kids and growing up when I was little it wasn't uncommon for people to make things and you know we've kind of we've lost that we've lost the skills to make things but we've also lost that passion and desire and what I say with the women that come along I say women Wednesdays actually men is men as well it's not just women's group what I say is them just really getting this massive sense of achievement and uh, like internal gratification from the process of being able to make something from themselves and I think that's that's something that has been missing because it's been so easy to buy things cheaply for so long um the necessity to make something because it's cheaper than buying it it has has gone missing since we've got you know Primark and fast fashion and mm-hmm. you know um next textiles you know every every season's a new color and you know people turn up at my house and go I'm changing my color scheme and they bring curtains lamps rugs cushion covers pictures <laughs> and it's all in teal because this year they want orange and um <laughs> so I collect that stuff and, and that stuff then goes to help um, a lot of the asylum seekers who've been yeah. displaced here to get them set up and make, you know, they get given a house, but it's not really a home. And it, I think it's with with the groups, there's a real sense of like with the children and the adults, there's a real sense of them developing this style of the, they have a deeper sense of what's meaningful to them and what they really like. And not they don't have this urgency to go out and buy the newest thing to fit in when I was sort of 16 uh, 20-ish it was really my friendship group it was really fashionable for us to go to Oxfam and buy secondhand clothes Mm. Um, and then suddenly like all the students now they're wearing designer labels and I'm like are you joking me you're at university (laughs) I know I remember going to university with my dad's um like I thought it was the coolest thing in the world that I was going to university and I could wear his old um oh come on mum looked like a womble in it what was it he's like an um, overcoat kind of thing yeah yeah but it was like it was for winter you know it was a really thick heavy blooming (laughs) and um I want to say duffel coat, but it wasn't a duffel yeah, coat. Yeah, yeah it was a been. Duffel coat, yeah. yeah. Um, and I thought it was the greatest thing. That, and I remember even my mum and dad at the time going, you're not really going to wear that, are you? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, this is fantastic. Yeah. It was brilliant. I, to me, that was what you were supposed to do as a university that, student. Exactly, <laughs> um, exactly. Like, you were meant to look grungy and be wearing <laughs> corduroy pants and stuff. We sort of set up um, a pre-loved school uniform thing a few years ago. And... 
what we found was that a lot of our friends, as a friend Michelle and I did it, and a lot of our friends would donate uniform. And I would say, well, do you want to come and get some uniform? They'd go, oh, no, I, we can afford to buy a new. I was like, no, but this isn't about. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, yeah. This isn't about like, so. I mean, it is for, you know, helping people save money on having to buy a new uniform. But it, this is about making pre-loved mean more yes. than going out and buying brand new again. You know, I think eBay and Vinted and that kind of thing, it has really brought things on quite a lot. It's sort of making people be, in, be a little bit more, yeah. um, I, I don't know, like less stigma, like you say, Justine, um, about having pre-loved things. And I mean, dare I say it, it inflation going up, the cost of living. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah. It is, it is awful. And I'm not taking away from, you know, fuel prices and people who were probably just about managing and now aren't managing. But in some ways, for, you know, and in some ways, I kind of think maybe this is what we need as a, as a, you know, human race to make us think, okay, what can I do without buying you? hope um, that was as, as fascinating for you to listen to as it was for us to record. Justine was um, just full of enthusiasm and I'm certain that comes across in the recording but full of enthusiasm and passion as well as real knowledge and really interesting ideas about what to do to live more sustainably in you know right now and it was a real insight into um, just stuff that's going on in, in Ashton and the Hearst area. So do do you 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 linked us to to Justine Justine? Um, <laughs> do you want to what do what do you think about that interview? Uh, well, I mentioned earlier on that it was just really interesting to learn about the the variety of people that she works with in these projects. Yeah, um, obviously, being a teacher, um, <laughs> I leant towards her work with the children in the local area, and it did make me laugh because I teach textiles to a year six class uh once a week which is entirely new to me this <laughs> academic year but i'm actually really enjoying as something a bit different and i got into a bit of a debate with some of the year six boys this week uh where they were struggling with what they were doing you know simple running stitch and i was like oh i can't do this i'm giving up what's the point said, what do you mean what's the point well when am i going to need this i said it's a life skill we know it's not who needs to stitch and I said, well, what if you split your trousers on the way home? That's embarrassing. Who's going to fix them? I'll ask me grandma. And I said, well, uh, it's a horrible yeah, reality but conversation to have to have with the What child. about when your grandma can't do it anymore? Yeah. Who are you going to turn to then? And there was silence. Yeah. And I think there was just maybe a millisecond of realisation that, oh, actually, <laughs> yeah. there might be something to it. So, yeah, it was just... That resonated with me a little. I love the idea of the enthusiasm, especially wanting to go home and cook the same meal for a fortnight. <laughs> I love that idea. Right. Do you know the other thing that reminded me about, which is talking about materials um, and um, uh, a grandma making costumes for her and stuff. Yeah. Like nowadays when kids have World Book Day for one thing, it's, we don't realise it because we're so wrapped up in it. And as parents, you're like, oh my God, I've got to get a costume for tomorrow morning or next week or whatever. Raid so Asda. Yeah, the, you go and you spend money on a costume. I can still remember, I think it, it it got repurposed twice, but I remember going, possibly the first time was as Robin Hood. It wasn't World Book Day, didn't exist in my day, so it must have just been a school fancy dress. And I remember lying down on the living room carpet on a big um, rectangle of green material that my mum had 
and she was drawing round me with a pen and then a circle at the top to cut out for my head and <laughs> folded it over like a poncho and then stitched the sides up. It wasn't anything fancy whatsoever. The only bought part of that costume was a brown belt that was probably my dad's that went round the middle and um, a Robin Hood hat that I had bought when we'd been at like Centre Parks years and years before. And But I can remember this costume being made and I'm certain it got repurposed a year later as a Peter Pan costume. It's probably in the box for Panto. It It'll probably be in the loft. <laughs> but like... Well, Justine touches on it and Mam and Jacqueline and, and touched on it as well, but like that creativity is missing for so many mm-hmm. because we've got used to just going, well, we can buy it. And, and then you even... end up with everyone wearing the exact oh, same costumes. Yeah. And Or oh, don't even get me started on World Book Days where kids turn up as Iron Man. Marvel characters yeah, <laughs> and argue that it's a comic book and they've got the comic book at home. And you're like, yeah, but we both know it was just which costumes were Stretching. available on the hangar, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it was really interesting. What else out of that interview with Justine did you think was interesting, Justine? Um, well, obviously she's talking about impact on local area. Mm. Um, but, you know, she's got life experience in different yeah. parts mm. of the world where she saw firsthand the impact that, well, I guess it is pollution, is having on the animals. You know, you can be mm-hmm. told till the cows come home that ring pulls get stuck around animals next but to actually see it firsthand that has to be a bit of a wake-up call but how hard must it be for someone like justin who's talking about that from 20 years ago yeah and it's like oh it's all over the news now and on instagram videos and it's really but and And you still see oceans flooded with and she's seeing that and thinking well i was shouting about that 20 years ago and nobody wanted to listen um yeah it's really sad I, I was also just fascinating getting that insight into, and I knew a little bit of it from when I was visiting Hearst Park a couple of weeks ago for a, a project we're going to do later on. Um, but that, that insight into the food bank, you know, and, and where we are with that kind of living sustainably or not living sustainably and trying to teach the next generation to know how to live sustainably. And they're growing their own food there. And it's a massive thing that you can take for granted, but so many kids don't really know that the food is grown, mm. that ends up in the shops. Where do the, potatoes or, come from? Yeah, Asda. Yeah. Or they assume that it's it's grown in a way that's totally removed from them and they couldn't do it themselves. Mm-hmm. So actually, I think it's quite important to teach people that, you know, when you get older and you've got a garden, it's quite easy to plant potatoes and have your own potatoes. And it's quite important that you kind of try that. But the sense of accomplishment for people as yeah. well that think they're not skilled, that they're mm. not capable yeah. You realise how simple it is and that you can actually learn how to use those ingredients. That's It's got to be transformative. I would hope so. I think it's amazing the work that she's done. I really do. And, and it was really it was really nice of Justine to give up time because I mean, I messaged her the day before, if not actually on the same day. I think I messaged her in the morning and said, could we maybe talk to you tonight? Um, because we want to do this and we want to add this to the podcast and it has changed the whole shape of this episode so a huge thank you to um, Justine for taking some time up to do that and well done you for suggesting it it's a good call that one Um, I'm going to play us out with um, it's a very small clip but it's from an advert um, from the United Nations about climate change and the it's basically pointing out that it's down to you and me that and I mean you and me listener that can make the tiniest changes to our routines that really could have an impact and actually that we're at a tipping point now where we have to make those changes so thank you again for listening and stay safe stay well and we'll speak again very very soon
literally a week actually because we've got a whole new episode to get out by next week before we go to the show to see the um magnolia, magnolia walls, walls yeah. yeah so we've got a, a really interesting show coming up um it'll it'll have to come out this week because i want it out before we go um about worky ticket productions um the all women's theater group um talking about women's issues and this particular one is about um military wives. military wives so it'll be really cool so that will be out very very soon stay safe and stay well everybody we are both creature and molder of our environment the crisis of human environment is a global crisis our capability to transform our surroundings if used wisely can bring to all peoples the benefits of development and enhance quality of life. But through ignorance or indifference, we can do massive and irreversible harm to the environment on which our life and well-being